Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 30th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, there is so much news to cover this week. Have y'all noticed that this podcast seems to be getting progressively longer and longer? When I first started, the idea was like 10 to 12 minutes. I'm over 15 generally now. I really want to keep it in that ballpark, but gosh, there's so much going on. So anyway, despite all of the news, all in all, the price of gold is basically in the ballpark of where it was this time last week. Uh, We saw a dip in the price early in the week after it was knocking on the door of $1,800 an ounce. We had a big rebound after the Fed meeting, and now we're seeing some selling pressure today as bond yields are ticking up again based on the supposedly great economic data. Now, like I said, a ton of news and economic data that came out this week. We had the Fed meeting. We had the Q1 GDP report. uh, We've got more tax and spend plans coming out of the White House. uh, We have trade numbers. Where to start? I guess I'll start with the Fed, although honestly, you could probably just go back and listen to the show after the last Fed meeting, and it would probably be pretty much the same. Uh, You know, we're getting the same song and dance over and over again by Powell and Company. Now, once again, and as expected, there were no changes in actual monetary policy at this Fed meeting. That basically leaves us to try to parse out meaning from the FOMC's statement in Jerome Powell's post-meeting press conference. You know, when you stop and think about it, it's pretty amazing how much markets move based on people trying to read between the lines every time some central banker talks. In a recent interview, Peter Schiff talked about how the Fed is basically just a big PR firm. Powell's main job isn't monetary policy. He's a spin doctor. And as Peter put it, the Fed's job is to try to create a false sense of confidence in the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar. Well, check and check. On Wednesday, Powell continued on message, the economy is recovering and rising prices are transitory. He bluntly insisted that the central bank is still a long way away from even considering tapering its $120 billion per month in bond purchases or raising interest rates. Quote, it's not time to start talking about tapering, he flat out said. Powell reiterated that inflation will have to moderately exceed its 2% target for some time before tightening monetary policy. He also said the economy is, quote, a long way from our goals, and it's going to take, quote, a while to reach them. Powell said, quote, we expect to maintain an accommodative stance to monetary policy until these employment and inflation outcomes are achieved. With regard to interest rates, we continue to expect it will be appropriate to maintain the current 0 to 0.25% target range for the federal funds rate until labor market conditions have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment and inflation has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is all Fed speak for we can't raise rates and we can't stop buying bonds and we know it. So we're going to keep telling you not to worry about it and we're not going to do what we know that we can't do anyway. 
It's weird to me that anybody thinks otherwise, but the fact that bond yields are already starting to rise again with the GDP numbers tells me a lot of people in the market still think the Fed is going to suddenly tighten monetary policy. I don't recommend believing everything that comes out of the Fed. In fact, I don't recommend believing most of what comes out of the Fed, but I think in this case, they're telling you the truth. I mean, they're lying about the why. But when they say monetary policy is going to stay accommodative, they mean it. As one analyst put it to CNBC, Powell is slamming the door on tapering anytime soon and predicted that Powell's jawboning will keep a lid on rising bond yields temporarily. The guy said, quote, it means that yields are still less likely to go rocketing up. You're not going to get that wild card event where the Fed does talk about tapering fairly soon. Now, even as Powell and company insist inflation is transitory, they continue to assure everybody that if rising prices do get out of control, the Fed is, quote, prepared to adjust the stance of monetary policy as appropriate if risks emerge. You know, they have to say that, right? I mean, everybody with functioning brain cells sees a huge wave of rising prices. So they have to tell you that it's transitory because they're not going to do it. They are not prepared to adjust the stance of monetary policy. This, my friends, is utter BS. As I've explained before, historically, the Fed has dealt with inflation by tightening monetary policy and raising interest rates. That's what everybody expects. That's the playbook. It's a big part of the reason gold has languished in recent months. Everybody is anticipating this pivot to tighter monetary policy sooner rather than later. We got a little assurance and, and a little bump uh, down in bond yields with the Fed meeting, but they're already going up again. But how does the central bank do this? How does it tighten in an economy that is built on a giant pile of debt. The Fed still has trillions of dollars in government debt to monetize. There's more spending coming down the pike. Joe Biden unveiled the American Families Plan this week. Free community college, free child care, free preschool. I'm using air quotes around free, by the way. Paid family leave. Now, they claim that they're going to pay for this by taxing the rich. That's what Democrats always tell you, right? It's like Republicans say, we'll pay for tax cuts with economic growth. It never works that way. The spending is always paid for by more debt. And you can bet your butt that all of these programs will cost way more than the $1.8 trillion or whatever they're saying it's going to cost. Don't get me wrong. They'll raise those taxes, and that doesn't bode well for future economic growth. But that won't pay for all of the spending. There will be more borrowing. There will be more bond selling. There will be more money printing. And that brings us back to the Fed. Fed bond buying is already propping up the bond market, right? If the central bank pulls out that prop, the entire house of cards comes crashing down. Powell has to keep up this song and dance to keep the markets calm. Because once the markets realize inflation isn't transitory and the Fed is impotent to do anything about it, all hell is going to break loose. One more thing Powell said I found pretty interesting. He pretty much confessed that the stock market is a big, fat, ugly bubble, to steal a Trump phrase. Powell admitted that some aspects of the market are, quote, a bit frothy. He even conceded that monetary policy is a contributing factor, but he stopped well short of actually taking the full blame. Quote, I won't say it has nothing to do with monetary policy, but also it has a tremendous amount to do with vaccination and reopening the economy. That's really what has been moving markets a lot in the last few months. You know, it would be interesting if somebody 
asked Powell why the stock market was roaring like months ago, even before we were having this great economy. I wonder what the excuse would have been then. Look, it's monetary policy. So anyway, speaking of the economy, we got those Q1 GDP numbers, and wow, shocking, there was big economic growth as a lockdown economy continued to reopen. Growth was calculated at 6.2%. A big chunk of that was the result of a 10.7% surge in personal consumption. So basically, Americans went on a big shopping spree in the first quarter, and how did they do that? stimulus money. Yes, Americans went out and bought a bunch of stuff made overseas with money printed out of thin air here. This isn't real economic expansion. It's basically just growth by inflation. And that brings me to the goods trade deficit. It surged 4% last month, hitting an all-time record of $90.6 billion. That tops the previous record of $88 billion, which was set just in February. Even Reuters acknowledged that, quote, very generous fiscal stimulus has fueled American consumer spending on goods. You know, there's an economic truth that you'll hear. You can't consume what you don't first produce. That's an undeniable truth in the aggregate. But one group of people can produce nothing and consume if another group makes the stuff and is willing to take money in exchange. This works out especially well for the first group if they have a printing press and can just churn out money. The question becomes, at what point do the producers decide, you know, maybe we have enough Monopoly money, let's consume our stuff ourselves. Today, virtually all of the durable goods sold in the United States are imported, from smartphones to appliances to clothing. And a lot of the products that are actually assembled in the U.S. are made from imported parts. As Peter Schiff put it in a tweet, foreign countries are supplying the U.S. with billions in goods the U.S. economy is too weak to produce. So go ahead and get giddy about six point whatever percent GDP growth. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all driven by stimulus and inflation. This entire economy is a mess. It's a fake-ass economy. It's like one of those Hollywood street sets. You know, you see these building facades, you got these fancy buildings, but there is literally nothing behind them but some two-by-fours propping them up. You know, There are a lot of signs that the economy isn't quite right. It's like, you know, when you're starting to catch a cold, you get this little tickle in the back of your throat. Maybe you get a a slight headache. You know, you're kind of tired. And deep inside, you know you're getting sick, but you keep trying to blow it off. You know, oh, maybe it's just allergies. But, you know, those signs are there in the economy. For instance, there's a canned cat food shortage here in North Florida. I'm told it has more to do with cans than cat food, but, you know, there are a lot of shortages out there. You go to a store, you'll see empty shelves, weird things. And then there are surging prices, especially commodity prices. Lumber is one that's been in the news a lot lately. Now, there are a lot of reasons for these crazy prices in lumber. Building has gone gangbusters because of the artificially low interest rates. A lot of people are building houses, demand for lumber is way up, and supply is really tight because a lot of Canadian sawmills apparently closed down when Trump slapped a big fat tariff on lumber last year. Uh, Imagine that. Uh, Those incentives matter. Now, the tariff has been lowered, by the way, but, you know, I think part of the price in lumber is just good old monetary inflation because you see huge rises in all kinds of commodities from oil to corn. 
Oh, and, and how about rental cars? I saw an article the other day that people vacationing in Hawaii are renting U-Haul trucks because cars are so expensive. I did a price search here locally for a weekend uh, at the end of May. $100 a day for a compact car. That's insane. Apparently, rental car companies sold off big chunks of their fleets to stay afloat when the economy was locked down. You know, it turns out it's hard on the rental car business when governments lock the economy up. You know, who would have thunk it, right? But this is just a few of the many blips in an economy that's just not right. You know, if you go back and listen to some of the podcast episodes I did last summer, you'll hear that I talked a lot about how the V-shaped recovery was a myth because the shutdowns did really deep damage that are going to take years to heal in the economy. We're seeing that now. We have the illusion of a healthy economy because the government is handing out money and people are spending it, but this economy is totally jacked up. I did a Facebook post highlighting some of the things I've seen and asked other folks to give examples of weirdness that they're seeing in the economy. I got over 100 comments, people talking about everything from shortages of chlorine tablets to vegetable seeds, uh, parts for trucks, computer chips, all kinds of things are, are screwed up out there. I can't see how this is sustainable. I have no idea how long they can keep it limping along. I'm constantly amazed at how far they've been able to kick the can down the road already. But, you know, how much road is left? I don't know. But I'm trying to prepare personally for that dead end that I'm certain is coming. I mean, I think everybody should be preparing for that. You don't have to be a doom and gloomer like me. I admit, I'm a doom and gloomer. But you don't have to really be even that negative to see that there are a lot of potential pitfalls in the economy right now. And one thing you can do is talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist. They can help explain how gold and silver can help protect your wealth through these crazy times. You can give them a call at 1-888-GOLD-160 or just shoot them an email at info uh, at shiftgold.com and they can help you out. So that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. Uh, There's an article up there uh, giving more details about Biden's uh, spending plan for the American families. Uh, There's some information up there about the silver market. A lot of things that I don't have time to cover in the show. So check that out. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes on the Ship Gold YouTube channel on Stitcher. Links to all of that stuff also on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and a great week next week.